not sure how much longer we're going to be in Psalm 18. I think <clears throat> we get uh, this one, maybe one more message out of Psalm 18. I'm not sure, um, but we'll see how the Lord leads in that. We're going to be in verse 22. Uh, I, I started the message last week about uh, leading a righteous life, at least the strength of living a righteous life before the Lord and how the Lord blesses the way that we, uh, as we live in a way that's pleasing unto Him and how He strengthens us and helps us and, and secures us in, in all those ways. But tonight, uh, I was reading down through and just preparing for uh, what the Lord would have for us. And uh, saw in verse 30 and verse 32, it comes together. Verse 30 is about the Lord has a plan for our life. And in verse 32, he says, The Lord maketh my way perfect. And between the two of them, between the Lord, as for the Lord, his way is perfect. And as for verse 32, he maketh our way perfect. I thought, wow, we, we, we really need to study for this because, man, if anybody needs God's help for, for us to live out his plan, I want his plan in my life. I know you want his plan in your life. Uh, and so we, we need to really get into the Bible and uh, see what this means, how we can apply it to our lives. God has a plan. We see this in verse 22. Verse 22 says, For all of his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also upright before him, and I kept myself from mine iniquity. Therefore hath the Lord recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands and his eyesight. We looked at those two verses last week. Um, verse 25, With the merciful that will show thyself merciful, with the upright man... That will show thyself upright with a pure. That will show thyself pure with a forward. That will show thyself forward. And for thou will save the afflicted people, but will bring down high looks. For thou will light my candle. The Lord my God will lighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. Now, some of us for our age, you know, it seems like it's a possibility of leaping over walls and running through troops, right? Uh, but uh, amen. God can do anything. Verse 30, as for God, his way is perfect. The Lord, word of the Lord is tried. He's a buckler to all those that put their trust in him. For who is God save the Lord, and who is a rock save our God? It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon high places. He teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Now has also given me the shield for, of thy salvation and thy right hand hath holded me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, that my feet did not slip. I'm not going to be able to get through all these tonight, but uh, it kind of gives you a direction of where we're headed. So let us pray. Dear Lord, some men up here and praying during prayer time. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need the filling of your Holy Spirit. Uh, we try to live our lives in a way that's pleasing unto your sight. And Lord, we know that the only way we'll be successful is if you give it. And I know that every time that I stand up here, there's people that stand in need. And Lord, I feel insufficient on in many occasions to deliver the message that they need. And we understand that it's your word that, does the, uh, that, that delivers on the hope, that helps us and strengthens our hearts to give us what we need for the day. And again, I ask you, Lord, to st deliver on that. Lord, may you just open our eyes to receive these wondrous things out of your law and, and help us lighten our steps, enlarge our past. Lord, may you give us that hope and strength to go on, even sometimes when we feel we're without strength. 
And so we love you, Lord. And we just thank you for your precious promises in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was younger, I used to watch this show, and some of you probably know it, the A-Team. And, uh, you know, it's just, I always had a fascination with Mr. T. Anybody can get in the ring with Rocky Balboa and, uh, you know, duke it out and those kind of things. I wanted to be like Mr. T when I was younger. Uh, so much so that my mother, she would buy me these arrowhead necklaces. I had a bunch of them. You would have thought I was the most ridiculous kid that ever walked the streets. You know what I mean? Uh, but I wanted to be like Mr. T. And so uh, I would watch the A-Team, and I thought that they were the greatest things in sliced bread. You know, along there with MacGyver and, uh, you know, Dukes of Hazard and the A-Team, all of them had the same plot line. Plot line. You know, they, they, they were out there. They, they would come out. They were the, kind of like the rebels. You know what I mean? And they would go out and they would just challenge the bad guys and always help out the little guys who were without the strength, without the help. And the A-team, you know, special forces breaking out of the military prisons. And, uh, and so they would go out and, again, they would help the little guys and try to deliver them. And at the end of the show, my favorite line, we'd always look for Hannibal, Hannibal and he would come out and say, I love it when a plan comes together. And this is the way that I believe David is looking back on his life. Again, this is a retrospect as he's looking out over his life and he's coming toward the end. His son Solomon is going to be ascending upon the throne and established to be the next ruler there in Israel. And David's looking back over his life. He's giving glory unto God, recognizing he couldn't do any of this himself. And he knew early on in his life that God had a plan from the time that he sent Samuel uh, to his doorsteps. He wasn't looking for Samuel to show up. He wasn't looking for Samuel to come with that little anointing oil and anoint David to be the next king over Israel. And as he's been on the run and everything that's going on in his life, it probably wasn't what he had planned, nothing that he had hoped for. But at the end of his life, he could say, man, I love it when a plan comes together. God had a perfect plan for my life. And sometimes we get lost in all of this because we're, we're in the mix of living our lives, and we're saying, what's going on here? You know, I didn't, I didn't plan this, and I didn't plan that. Well, ever since the very beginning, when God spoke this world into existence, and he said, let there be light, and he established the light from the darkness, and he began to speak things into this world, you know, between the, the, the grass and the animals and the planets, and then forming man out of the dust of the ground and breathing into him the breath of life, you couldn't do that without a plan. Everything that God does has been planned. There's a purpose behind it. And even setting Adam there in the Garden of Eden to, to till it and to keep it, bringing him a help me, thank God for that. Uh, I wouldn't be able to make it without my wife. And uh, thank God that he has a plan for every one of our lives. Even in Revelation chapter 4 or chapter 5, I forget which one it is, uh, when we see the uh, heavenly cores, the heavenly scene up in, in heaven, and we see these guys, they're up there in the, in the heavenlies, whatever that looks like. And they're before the throne and they're crying out. And they say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things for Thy pleasure. They are and were created. That, that includes us. We were created for God's pleasure and for His glory. And so there's a purpose even for the trials of life. It's not just for our life because sometimes we think to ourselves that, I'm trying to figure out what that plan is, and I'm trying to figure out what the will is. And I wake up, it's not like I try to go out of my way to, to do my own way, but uh, sometimes we, we, we don't give God enough time in our life to allow Him to speak and to, uh, and to commune with Him in our devotions and our prayer time. 
God really wants that time with us so that we might be able to walk in His path and in His way, to, to know what His will is. And He wants to show His will to every single one of us. But not only does He have that plan and that purpose for your life and for my life, but also He has a plan for the trials. And that's something that David had to come to grips with because we look at the trials and we say, well, what's the plan behind this one, Lord? How, how am I going to get out? This is not what I was looking for. Can you change your plans to fit along with my plans? No, if we look back, we'll be thankful for the hardships that God brought us through. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold, that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found of the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. My wife always reminds me every time that we go through a certain struggle in our life, she would always remind me of this. She says, God never wastes a trial on anybody. There's not a single tear that's wasted in a trial. Even Job's trials that he was through, even Peter's trials that he's been through, even David's trials that he's been through, even the trials that you are going through, every one of them has a purpose that they might purify us, that they might draw us closer unto ourselves, unto himself is what I should have said. Because... When are the times that we draw closer to God? It's when we have nobody else to turn to and we say, God, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this mess. I don't know how I'm going to be able to pick up my head the next morning without tears in my eyes. I don't know how we're going to get through this. God, I need you. And it's those times where we draw near unto God and, and he shows himself strong once again. Our human nature, when we're in the midst of the trial, we get fretful and we get anxious. But even when I think of the Israelites up against the Red Sea, even when we get anxious, it's good for us to not get ahead of God. Because the Lord said to Israel, He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. For us, we would have been like Israel. Hey, let's find another way of escape. But God says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That's not the, the answer for every trial. But that was the answer for that trial. I think of uh, not only the Red Sea crossing, but when uh, Joshua and the children of Israel were in Canaan land and they come up against Ai. And after they had that great big battle, which they defeated Jericho, the biggest city there in all of Canaan. And they were so excited. They said, let us take Ai too. And then all of a sudden they suffered defeat. And Joshua's down on his face and he's crying out, Lord, did you bring us out here to destroy us? God, how are we going to get through this? What does God say to him? Joshua, get up off your face. There's sin in the camp. So God deals with us in different ways through the different trials, but we need to be attuned to hear from God so that we might be able to get through that trial in our life. Think about Jacob. When he told Jacob, he said, I want you to return to your father's land, back to your homeland. Gets all the way back to the Jabbok River and he's, sending his family over and thinking about how he's going to meet Esau and what's going to happen. Is he going to lose everything? Is he going to take all my servants? Is he going to take the cattle? Is he going to take the children? What is he going to do to me? Lord, I don't know. I'm in, I'm in a fix. I'm anxious. Uh, Lord, you told me to come back, and now what am I going to do? I mean, God's angel appears to him, I believe, to be the pre-incarnate Christ, and he wrestles with his angel, the Lord. And it seems to prevail. And at the end of it, we hear Jacob say it, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. 
I don't know what made him say that, but that's what he said. The angel of the Lord said to Jacob, and he says, uh, your name's going to be no more Jacob, the deceiver, but your name's going to be Israel, and you're going to wrestle with God. And for all of Israel's history, you know what they've been doing? Wrestling with God. They've been wrestling with God's plan. With every single believer, you know what we do? We're wrestling with God. <laughs> God, I, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. Lord, I can't figure this out. He knows we can't figure it out. That's why he says, depend upon me. Look to me. As long as we keep our eyes on him. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, he's looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He doesn't say, look at the trials. He doesn't say, look to other men. He doesn't say, look to the government. Keep your eyes on Jesus and we'll get you through this. David says, as for God, his way is perfect. Our ways are not God's ways. I mean, we would have done it a completely different way. Our thoughts are not God's thoughts, but the Bible says not as the ways of Henry Funkhauser, but it says, as for God, his ways are perfect. The Bible says that uh, through David's experience, David's experience has told him, as for God, his way is perfect. The righteous will walk the path that God has planned, not perfectly. None of us do. And when we do, when we walk this way with God, and even though sometimes we stumble and sometimes we fall and we get back up again, uh, even when we stumble and we're trying to walk with God, guess what? The more and more we walk with God, the more and more He makes our way perfect as we walk with Him. Again, we won't be perfect, but God understands this. And we need to realize tonight, as for God, His way is perfect. Not Dennis's plan, not Brian's plan, not Scott's plan, not Susan's plan, not my plan. But God's plan is perfect. His ways are perfect. And we cannot say that His way is wrong. Because sometimes we look at our situations we're in, God, this can't be right. The wilderness can't be your plan. This, this situation that I'm dealing with, this relationship that I'm in, this whatever that is, sometimes we're tempted to say, well, this can't be right. But we got to look and say, hey, God's way is perfect. And he didn't lead you there by mistake. And I want to look at three reasons why God's way is perfect. Because he, number one, he is God. Number two, because he's proven it. And number three, because we've experienced it. Well, at least David's experienced it. I hope you've experienced it as well. And so, uh, number one, because he's God. God's way is perfect because he's God. And uh, he can only do right. He can only do what's perfect. He can only do what's just. He can only do those things that are right and orderly. In every single way. One of the most fearful things to do is to follow behind somebody in a car. You know what I mean? And I always hate it when somebody says, you know, instead of giving you the directions, what I want you to do is follow me. You know, get in your car and you want to follow me. And I'm thinking every which way that's wrong with this idea. Number one, I, I don't know if I like how this person's going to drive. You know, they might drive like a maniac and I'm not going to follow you. <laughs> Uh, number two, I'm thinking about the stop signs and the stoplights and everything that's in between. And I'm thinking sometimes you get there's a yellow light and you the person in front of you might gun it and you're stuck in a red light. What am I going to do? I can't change that. Other times I think about the cars that, you know, they don't know that you're following somebody and they zip in between you and you lose them. Other times I think maybe there's other car links in front of you. They may turn off and I don't see where they turn and I want to get lost somewhere along the line. 
And following somebody, it can be very difficult when it comes to following somebody in the car. But I'm glad that God is not like that. You know, we, we don't have to worry about following behind him in that sort of way because he's right there with us. He's like the GPS in the car. He's like, I'll get you there. I'll get you there. God tells us to follow him because he can get us from point A to point B. I don't know if Dennis can get me from point A to point B, but I know God can. For anybody else, I'd say buckle up because this is going to be an adventure. This is going to be an interesting ride. But because God's the captain of the ship, because God's in control, it's like it might get bumpy at times. Might be scary, like on that airplane, you know, they hit the turbulence and everything. Like, like it's going to get scary a little bit, but God will land us safely, and we can trust Him. For anybody else, again, we would have to worry, but because God is God, He's going to get us there. David's faith is not on his abilities, but in his God. There's a old old theologian. Shouldn't say old. He was back in the 1800s, but. In our estimation, it's, it's been a while since he's been alive. But he had this saying, B.B. Warfield said this, A firm faith in the universal providence of God is the solution to all earthly troubles. To put our faith in God and to keep our eyes on God, to put our faith in the providence and the special watch care of God is the cure to all of our earthly problems. I don't have to figure it out. It's not my job to figure it out. If I try to figure it out and do it my own way and rationalize and reason it, I'm just going to second guess everything that I do. But because I don't have to figure it out, all I have to do to trust, it makes my job a lot easier because all I have to do is say, yes, God, one step at a time, I'm going to follow you. Uh, maybe I don't see you at this point in time. Maybe I, I, I have a hard time hearing of what your will is, and I'm just going to stay put until I'm sure of the next step. Sometimes, again, we can get ahead of God, but we got to stay stationary, and sometimes it's standing fast in the faith until the Lord directs you to where He, he wants you to go and whatever way that He wants you to go. But when God speaks, you can be sure that way is right. Whatever His Word says, you know that it's true because it's God. When it comes to the way that God deals with us, it's more than fair. It's more than fair. I say that because sometimes the situations we're in, we're like, I don't deserve to be talked to this way. I don't deserve to be treated this way. I, I look at the situations and say, well, God, why don't you do something? And I, I could be tempted to say because this situation exists, because cancer exists, because this health situation exists, because this problem has arisen in my life, I can blame God for all my problems. A lot of people do that. And they blame God for everything. When the problem is not God, the problem is sin in this world. And it could be the other person's sin that has affected my life, or it could be sin in my heart because I've just completely ignored it. And i got to say, Lord, is it me? But it's not God's fault. I say that because of the, the text we have here, verses 25 and 26. Uh, it says in verse 25, With the merciful thou, thou wilt show thyself merciful. With an upright man thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure thou wilt show thyself pure. And with a froward thou wilt show thyself froward. It's almost like what God says over, what Paul wrote over in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Whoever soweth to the flesh, shall all the flesh reap corruption. Whoever soweth to the Spirit, 
shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting, is what he says. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. See, God's not inconsistent. God's not inconsistent in his character and his dealings with us. He's always acting in a way that's true to his character in every single step of the way. Again, some people get the idea that, that life is supposed to be good. Life is supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to have the bumps in the road. And they'll blame God for something happening that they didn't expect. But they draw their own conclusions because they do not get to know God the way they should because they're too busy blaming God for what happened. They never learned to fully trust in God. And so they misrepresent his character. You see, David was on the run from Saul. And again, as I've stated before over and over again this past week, even when David was on the run and he was tempted, he was tempted to take matters in his own hand. Remember when he was in those caves? And he could have went up and he would have killed him. And in fact, his servants were constantly telling him, hey, this is the day that the Lord spoke of and he's going to deliver you from the hand of all your enemies. Go out and slay him. It would have been easy to do that. David said that's not God's plan. Well, David, it can't be God's plan for you to be pursued all over the wilderness. God said that you're going to be the next king of Israel. Uh, It can't be your plan that you're out here for the next five years. Maybe it is God's plan. I believe it was God's plan for him to be there. We don't understand why God does what he does many times. Sometimes we just got to believe, God, you're in behind us all. Sometimes we could be despondent and upset by the way things are happening. There was this young boy, and he was disfigured, and he was all upset about his friends. Every time he would go to school, somebody would be just bothering him, and he, he was just so upset, and he came home one day, after just a long time of this going on, and he says, Mom, I hate people. He determined, his mother determined, like, well, something's going on here. This is not like my son. And uh, she says, well, you know, this is what I want to do. We want to go to the Grand Canyon. And uh, he says, I want to take you out to this, this little place. And what I want you to do, I want you to yell into this canyon, I hate you. Well, it sounded like an odd request. He goes out to the canyon, I hate you! And then he hears the words coming back at him, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. His mother turns around and says, now, let's try something else. I want you to cry out to this canyon and say, I love you. And the little boy called out, I love you! I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. He said, well, this is the lesson for you, son. Usually we receive from people what we first send out. What we're protracting out is usually what we receive back in return. There, in a sense, is the same kind of relationship that is true between us and God. See, if we walk uprightly with God, God's going to be upright with us. Well, it's always in his character to be upright. But if we're going to walk in, in sin and if we're going to walk in darkness, if we're going to live in a way that's contrary to God and we expect God to be favorable to us, it's not going to happen. 
Because God, God doesn't allow sin. You know, he doesn't put up with sin. I, at one time, there was this uh, man in prosperity, good, good, good man. I loved him. Um, really sound guy. He was just a great, great guy. Well, I gave you illustrations about him before. He told me when he grew up, his, his parents were very good moral people. His mother went to church all the time. His dad was very moral. He got saved later in life. And it was kind of a situation where his mother, at one time, he was telling me about when, when him and the family were at the bank. And his mother came back from the bank and she got back in the car and was sitting down. And uh, all of a sudden, his father looked over to the wife, his mother, and said, what are you doing? She said, what do you mean? I'm just getting back in the car. Where'd you get that pen? Oh, it's the, it's the pen's bank. I must have taken it by accident. He says, well, we're not going to leave from here until you take that pen back in the bank. Because we're, he says, I know it's just a small thing, but we're setting an example to our children. That was one of the things that he did. For years, he rejected the gospel, knowing that his mother prayed for him quite often. And uh, had the privilege of uh, doing her, her funeral. It was, it was really nice. But um, anyway, he told me, he says, when he got up in his older years, he liked to race cars and things like this. And and one time he came home with a, a bottle or with a case of booze in his hand and he was trying to come in through the door, sneak through the door at night. And his father greeted him at the door and he said, son, what are you doing? He said, well, I was just coming home for the night. He says, not with that, you're not. So well, what do you expect me to do? He says, well, he says, you can either throw that away or else you can stay somewhere else, but you're not bringing it in here. You see, that's the way that God treats us. He says, you're not going to have a favorable disposition. I'm not going to treat you like everything's going to be okay as long as you're going to allow this sin to go on in your life. I'm not just going to overlook sin, and David knew this. Why? From his experience with Bathsheba. Huh. With an upright, that would show thyself upright. But with a forward, that would show thyself forward. When David was walking with God, hey, he had all the confidence in the world. Why? Because God was on his side. God was on his side. And as long as God was on his side and fight every single one of his enemies, he was okay. No matter what situation he was in. See, we distance ourselves from God, not God distancing himself from us. God opposes sin and we can trust him because we know his way is perfect and he deals with us faithfully. He deals with us truly, he deals with us justly, and even when things are not going my way, God honors purity. God honors uprightness. Deuteronomy chapter 32, many, many of these allusions are from the, the, the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 32, verses 3 and 4, the Bible says this, Because I will publish the name of the Lord. And that's what David is doing all throughout the psalm. He's, he's ascribing greatness to God. He's saying, my power uh, my, my abilities come from God. Everything that's good about my life comes from God, is what he's saying. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. What does David call him in Psalm 18? Several times he calls him the rock. Well, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all of his ways are judged. But a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Again, one of the hardest things to learn is there are some things that I'm not going to be able to fix. Some things that no matter how hard I try, that place of difficulties where God wants me. 
God wants me to learn a lesson in that difficulty. God is doing something in that difficulty. Whether it's drawing me closer unto himself or he's working things out in his own time and in his own way. Whether he's establishing it, he was dealing with, God was not just dealing with David alone. He was dealing with Saul too. Sometimes we fail to, to, to remember that. Sometimes I'm trying to tempted, I'm tempted to do it my own way, but it's up to God. And when I try to take matters in my own hand, I, again, I make a mess out of it. Sometimes it's better to just take my hands off and say, God, it's better in your hands. God, you deal with so-and-so. God, you deal with this problem. God, you deal with my children. God, you deal with this issue in my life. God, you deal with this work situation that I'm going through. God, you deal with it. And sometimes we've waited too long before it's got to that point when we should have surrendered it all along. God is omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. And he is God. And we notice that God, what God will do in verses 27 through 29, as he says, For thou wilt save the, afflict, the afflicted people. Thou wilt bring down high looks. For thou wilt light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. We've got to take our understanding to God, and he'll give us wisdom. I, I love the fact that God promises here that he's going to enlighten our darkness. Uh, the, the times of confusion, the times of trying to figure out the situation. Why am I in this mess? I, I wasn't looking for it. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto the Lord. Call unto me, he says, and I'll show thee great mighty things which thou knewest not. That's what he wants us to do. Sometimes I'm glad there are things that I don't know that lies ahead. I think about if God would have put a note card, a piece of paper, and he would have written out everything that in my life that was going to happen. You wouldn't be married to such and such a person. You're going to have this many kids, and uh, something's going to happen to this kid, and uh, this is going to happen in your life, and you're going to face this health crisis and this health situation, and you're going to lose everything down here. And, and if God would have laid it all out, and this is how you're going to die, I would have said, God, I don't know if I want to go that way. But God gives it to us when we need it. He reveals it to us right when we need it as we're going through it. And he gives us grace at that period of time as we're walking one step at a time. He knows that if we, he gives us too much at one time, we're going to faint and we're going to get weary and we're going to stop trying to, to, to do what God wants us to do, to move forward in our walk, to move forward in our faith. God says, I'll show you the next step. You, you trust me with that step, and I'll bring it to the next step. One step at a time. I'll show you where the rocks are in the water so that you can walk uh, as you're going through the darkness. And that's the way it is. And he gives us grace through those times. I, I think of all, all the different ways that God gives us grace. He gives us saving grace. He gives us living grace. He gives us dying grace. He gives us grace in so many different ways, drawing us in a closer relationship with himself. God's way is perfect, not only because he's God, but because he has proven it. Because he's proven it. Verse 29. For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He's a buckler to all those that put their trust in him. Uh, I, 
it just really amazes me when I see these words, you know, by thee, by thee I've run through a troop, by my God have I leaped over a wall. And in my Bible, what I would do, I haven't done it in this Bible, but in my Bible, if I was you, I would circle those words, by my God, by thee. Because David didn't do that by himself. It's one of those passages that really links over to Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Uh, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. This would be kind of a, uh, an Old Testament parallel because David says, no, I can't do that by myself, but because I'm, I'm in union with God, because I'm walking in the ways of the Lord, because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, because that is going on in my life, and he's ordering the next step and the next step and the next step as I'm running for my life, and I'm waiting for God to fulfill his plan, and I know it's going to happen because we know that God never lets a word fall to the ground, but it's going to prosper in the thing wherein he send it. That's what he says in his word. So shall my words be that go forth out of my mouth. It should not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. And David says, I know it's going to come to pass. I know I'm on the run right now, but God's going to bring this. I don't know how it's going to work out, but he's got a plan. It's going to work out. David knew that God's word was tried that it was true. By God, I can do this. By God, I can get through that situation. Though my heart breaks, though the trial's long, because my God is with me, I can get, I can get through the next day. I can get over that wall. I can get through that next situation. But it's got to be with my God. David's strength was insufficient but his strength had to be God, and his confidence was in God alone. That's why he calls him his rock. I was reflecting on the message for tonight, and I thought about uh, that time when David went to Saul, and he informed him that he was going to take on Goliath. You know what I mean? He says, well, I want to I take out this Philistine, this one that's uh, defying the name of the God of Israel. And Saul, I don't know what he was thinking at this period of time. I guess he thought, well, maybe this kid's going to lose his life. I don't know what he thought. But he said, well, David, if you want to go out, I want you to try on my armor. Remember that? And David tries it on, and he's, he put on this helmet of brass upon his head. He armed him with a coat of mail, and David girded his sword upon his armor, and he uh, essayed to go out. This is what the Bible says, for he had not proved it. In other words, he, he refrained from going out because he's like, I, I've never worked in this armor before. I haven't, I haven't been practicing with this armor before or with this sword. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. It's like this. David says, well, I can't go with anything that I have. Those are not proven. When it comes to human strength and human reasoning, it hasn't proven to stand the test of time. There was a time where David went over to Gath, probably an embarrassing moment in his life, and he thought that this was going to be a path of escape because Saul's no, no way is he going to chase me if I got the Philistines with me. Goes over to the king of Gath, and next thing you know, he hears how they're talking about, isn't this the guy that killed Goliath? Isn't this the guy that pursued the Philistines? Isn't this the guy... And, 
David hears what's going on and he changes his whole outlook and he begins to act like a crazy man and claw the sides of the door, spit dripping down all over his beard and everything else. Hey, human reasoning is not good enough. But you want to know something that is tried? God's word. Not only as for God, his way is perfect, but his word is tried. And he's a buckler to all those that put their trust in him. Buckler is this small little uh, uh, deflecting shield. It's, it's not very big at all. It's not necessarily a defensive weapon. Uh, necessarily, it could be. But it's meant to be as you're in battle, you're just trying to deflect the, bows, the, the blows of the sword that's coming down. And you're just trying to push it aside and... You're still fighting. You're still pushing onward. This is the, the imagery that he has here. It's tried. It's true. I can get through the battle. I can accomplish another victory because of God. He's a buckler to all those that put their trust in him. I don't like it when things don't work the way I want them to. Sometimes I've been known to get in a hurry because I just want it done. You know, you guys are probably like me, and I've, I have these materials that come through Amazon or whatever the case, and I'm like, I've put, a, I've put together a hundred of these. You know, I, I could put whatever. You get, Give me an entertainment center. Give me a table. Give me whatever you want to throw at me. I can figure it out. I don't need the instructions. I'll tear things apart, and I'll put them back together, and I'll get frustrated because it's, I messed something up, and I've taken it back apart two or three times and my wife's like, you need to read the instructions and you won't tear it apart so many times. I'm like, no, I got this figured out. I've done this before, honey, but you're missing this part. I'm like, ah, oh, for crying out loud. If we just follow the instruction book, it wouldn't be so hard. <laughs> we wouldn't go through it so many times. Let me just end with this. God's way is perfect because I've experienced it. Um, as an apprentice who's just learning a trade, he's, he's going to mess up on so many different levels because he's just learning. He's, he's going to get carried away. Sometimes his nerves might get a hold of him because he's afraid of messing up. Other things might happen. And uh, say, for instance, this guy is trying to learn to weld, and he's doing it for the very first time. The master craftsman, what he's going to do is say, watch me. Watch me. Watches them weld that line. I know because I've been in welding class, and some of those guys are just master welders, and it just blows my mind. You got to have the right kind of welding rods. You got to have the right temperatures, and it's just like, how am I going to figure this out? And what they do is, you know, after you've watched them for a little while, they say, "Well, now you try it," and they watch you mess it up. No, give me your hands and let me show you. Get up here. It's like this, and they'll guide you down slow, slow. And he guides you. David's experience of walking with God, he's seen how God has made his way perfect. He's not bragging on himself. You know, look, at, look at how I got through this trial. Look at how I got through that trouble. No, he's saying, as for God, he maketh my way perfect. He gave me strength. You know, when you're out there swimming and uh, I, I know this because I doggy paddle quite a bit, not knowing how to swim. And you're out there and you're exerting all of your energy. You're without strength. David says he's girded with me to strength. 
because I didn't wear myself out. God gave me the strength to get through the battle. He's put me up on this high place. He's put my feet on solid ground. He's established me. He's given me the kingdom. All my enemies will submit themselves under the kingdom here. Ultimately, we know that will be the fulfillment when Jesus Christ comes and set up his earthly kingdom. But what an encouragement that we find when we think about God's plan for our lives. You might be sitting there and say, well, Pastor, I have no idea what the plan is. The plan is is to follow him tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Be faithful in reaching your kids, your grandkids. Be faithful in your work. Be faithful in your business. But most of all, be faithful in spending time with your God. You're not going to know the plan unless you spend time with him. And you'll find over the course of time, as you look back, like David one day, and you'll look back over your life, you're like, wow, I never thought about that. Guess what? I never thought in a million years I would be a pastor. You know, I wanted to be the guy designing NASCAR engines and, and chassis and things like this. That was my plan before I was saved. My plan was to be a military hero. My plan was all these other things. God's plan was much different. And we got to be willing to say, hey, you know, maybe that's not what I wanted for my life, but this is what God wants, and I want to submit myself to that. Maybe that's what you need to do today and say, God, this is what you want. You, you want me to be saved. You want me to be baptized. You want me to be a member of the church. You want me to be faithful in serving. You want me to be faithful in my finances. You want me to be faithful at home. You want me to be faithful to my kids. You want me to do these things, and, Lord, strengthen my hands so that I might fulfill your plan in my life to make my way perfect. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this time together. And Lord, I'm so grateful because your plan is the one that brought us all together here tonight. Lord, your plan is what's kept us here. Your plan for the church has been to go out and reach people with the gospel to see people saved by the grace of God. I thank the Lord for good attendance. I thank the Lord for good offerings. I thank the Lord for growing in spirit and unity and in grace. I thank the Lord for all these things, but Lord, we need to be, most of all, fulfilling that great commission, reaching people. And may you just help us to be faithful to you to try your word, to know it true in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God is good.